Hello, everybody. I'm Sam. <laughs> I'm Maya. And you're listening to Murder Senses. <laughs> Before we get into today's case, we killed ourselves. Oh my god. With cleaning soundboards. So we bought sound pads to make the audio like less echoey, I'd say. And yeah, I, I hope it's working. <laughs> we'll see when we're in the editing stage. But with sound pads, you gotta ring them in water, soak them up, and then ring them out. And that hurt. <laughs> we did it. I don't even know how, what, we did 24 pads. Yes. So yeah. far. We were, we have more on the way, so we're going to have to do that it again. ridiculous. It's horrible. you got to wring the water my out. My arms hurt still. This is, we did this yesterday. I know. I can feel it in my arm. I'm, I'm getting muscles. Right? We were saying we're going to look like the people in the... Oh my god. Like 1910s. Like how they used to wring out laundry. Do their own laundry. I felt like that. We, we felt like that. I also just want to preface with, I have a migraine. <laughs> We're still recording because you gotta get it done. Yeah, so I'm good. This case might give you a migraine. <laughs> I'm still interested. Probably won't be as like. But if I sound enthusiastic, yeah. it's because my head hurts. <laughs> it's, it's fine. But but I'm excited. I'm excited. Let's jump right into it. Don't be excited. It's. Mm. Don't be excited. All right. Not excited. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> so, today we're talking about Catherine Mary Knight. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of her, but Catherine if you haven't... Knight. I've I've had, I've heard my fair share. I don't know, like, obviously, I don't think I've listened to a podcast about her, at least not in a long time. But I've heard, like, you know, I've heard a couple of her victims. I've heard yeah, the basis. So I called Eileen Warnos a crazy bitch, which was our first episode. <laughs> oh boy, was I ever wrong. This bitch tops the fucking the list. Tops she, the list. <laughs> she's at the top of the list right, right. now um, for being crazy. Let's go. Oh god. Okay. So, Catherine Mary Knight was born on October 24th, 1955, and this case is in Australia. It's all no other place. So, I think this is our first Australian case. It is. Nice. So, be beautiful. Here's a Love little Australia. Here's a little fun fact you before guys don't we get exist. into the detail. <laughs> That's so mean. So a little fun fact before we really get into the details. She was the first woman in the country of Australia to be sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Mm-hmm. So she really she, she did something bad. She did. I know she's not like she's not like all peaches and rainbows. And I have to add a trigger warning in this case. Let's just that right now. About, we, we are going to talk about topics of cannibalism. Oh. Animal abuse. And murder. Oh, yeah. And didn't you tell me this was like human abuse case so far? Like, you cried I while cried researching this. I did. I bawled my eyes out at a certain part. I love this animals. This is rough, so. If, if, you, if you can't listen to this, I'll make sure that we'll mention before the animal. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not a fan that I have to sit through it, and you guys can just skip through it. <laughs> yeah, if you can't listen to this case either. Well, I, I, I have to listen to no, it, but so them. fuck you. If you guys can't, click off, and we'll see you in another case. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but, 
It'll get better. Next week we'll do something lighter. Oh, okay. Hi, Betty. That's my pupper. Okay, so she was born and raised in an unconventional and dysfunctional family environment, which impacted her, her mental health. Her mother was Barbara Ruffhan, and she had been married to Jack Ruffhan, and they lived in New South Wales, Hunter Valley. Okay. So I'm gonna, we're gonna post the photos onto the Instagram, but I'm just showing Sam now. Yeah, so. that That's her. That's she, those are both Catherine? Yeah. They don't look like the same people. No. <laughs> we'll um, make sure to show which photo we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So in her early life, since her mom was married to Jack, uh, so like I said, Barbara, she um, kind of had an affair. Barbara. Oh, lovely. She had an affair with her co-worker. Her husband's co-worker, sorry. Oh. She had an affair with her husband's co-worker. I don't know if that's worse or better. His name was Ken Knight, which is where Catherine's last oh, name comes oh, from. Oh, I didn't make the connection. <laughs> that's all right. Catherine isn't born at this point. Mm-hmm. So the local backlash caused the family to have to move to Maury, which is in Australia, due to Barbara beginning an affair. Yeah. So both the Ruffhand family and the Knight family were well known in the area, and the affair became a huge scandal. This was before Barbara. Uh, I wrote. This was before Catherine was born, and Catherine had four siblings before, from her and uh, from Barbara with another man. Which it wasn't. It didn't say for sure, but it might have been with Jack. Um, I believe it's with Jack. Okay. So due to this family, they probably don't even know because she was having an affair. <laughs> probably not. Due to this family drama, the two oldest siblings stayed with their father, and the two youngest went to go live with an aunt in Sydney. Okay. Catherine was born as a twin to another sibling and was the youngest of the two by a couple of minutes. Yeah. Barbara had Catherine and her twin with her partner, Ken Knight, and she was... Catherine and her twin were born in Tenterfield, New South Wales. Okay. So, sadly, Jack would pass away in 1959 when Catherine was only four years old and the two other children living with their father would move in with the Knight family, which would consist of Barbara, Ken... Catherine and her twin. Mm-hmm. How did he die? It did not say. Mm. I tried to search it up and it... He just died. said he died. Yeah. It never had a cause of death. Like Barbara killed him. <laughs> Runs in the family. She is crazy enough to have. <laughs> Probably. So, apart from her twin, Catherine would be only close to one other person who was her uncle, Oscar Knight, who was a champion horseman. And I was like, what's a horseman? So I immediately thought of Oscar Wilde. I'm sorry. I don't know who that is. He's uh, a British poet. Uh, I believe he was a poet in the 30s. Uh, uh, one sec. Let me let me give you facts here. <laughs> so he was an Irish poet in the 1880s. Okay. Uh, I looked it up. <laughs> um, and Oscar, um, he was gay. And he had a boyfriend, and his dad, uh... Like, disowned him? Yeah, disowned him. And, uh, Marquis, Marquis, Marquis of Queenberry. Okay. Marquis, I don't know, I only know it because of Mike Tyson mysteries. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) There's one of the main characters. If anyone watches it, you're you're rad. I love you. (laughs) Good show. As I was saying, a horse man... I had to search it up. Wow, that was a big... I tracked way off. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It meant it meant that he would race with horses and compete with them. A horseman! So, it was just like horse races. I want to be a horseman. 
headless horseman. <laughs> I don't want to be that, though. I do. It'll be fun. <laughs> right. If I could still, like, I mean, I, I don't have a head, so I don't know how I would, but if I could still, like, make thoughts, yeah. you know, I would use my headless abilities to torment people. Yeah. I would love it. Right. Oh, my God. So, Catherine became devastated when he committed suicide in 1969, like her uncle, and would say that his ghost would continue to visit her for the rest of his, her life. Okay. So, Catherine's childhood was not a great one. She claimed that she grew up watching her violent, alcoholic father rape her mother multiple Ooh. times a day, and that Catherine herself was also sexually assaulted multiple times by family members until the age of 11. Uh, but the rape did not include her father against Catherine. So, her okay. father did not rape Catherine. But it was other family members. That's still I don't I don't know if that's any better. No. Like <laughs> other family members would corroborate her story to a psychiatrist that she had experienced this abuse and rape uh, because her psychiatrist had doubts that it had happened, but would eventually believe her due to the statements of the family yeah, members. Yeah, like she probably a lot like a pathological pathological liar. It's like yeah, I don't know, but she's probably got something wrong in her brain. But I believe that she probably was. Um, sexually assaulted yeah so because of this repeated abuse and rape barbara the mother would often tell her daughter intimate details of her sex life and Ew. how much mm-hmm, how much she hated sex and would complain about how much she hated all men oh that's a great way great 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 impression to put on your daughter oh yeah at, at one, what 11 yeah she was really young at this point my god at one point, Catherine would complain to her mother that one of her partners wanted her to take part in a sexual act that she did not want to. Barbara would tell her to, quote, put up with it and stop complaining, end quote. That's... She was not a good mother. That's horrible. That's not how you raise a child. No. No. She was a horrible mother. I don't... I'm speechless. Mm-hmm. Oh, this She's literally case. condoning rape. This her case... Her child to get raped. Is something. It's gonna get worse. So... Catherine attended Muswellbrook High School, and where she became known as a bully who would terrorize smaller children. She was remembered as such and became a loner in the school. She assaulted at least one boy at school with a weapon and once ended up injured by a teacher who was found to have acted in self-defense against Catherine. Oh, okay. Odd yeah. Oddly though, by contrast, when not in a rage, Catherine was a model student and would often receive good like awards for her good behavior. That's weird. I know. I don't know how to like make of that, whether like one day she's... <laughs> Doing a good job, and the next day she she might be bipolar. Trying to throw hands with a teacher. Yeah, she's really young by this point because she she had never learned how to read or write, and by the age of fifteen, she dropped out of school to work at a clothing factory. Aww. A year later, she would land her quote dream job at a oh, slaughterhouse. What? Cutting out the internal organs of animals. That's. <sighs> yep. That's not a. That was her dream job. That's not a dream job. That was hers. A journalist named Peter Lalore wrote in, quote, Bloodstain, his true crime book that covered Catherine Knight. She loved her job so much that she hung her first set of butcher knives over her bed just in case she ever wanted to use them. This was a habit until her incarceration. Wow. Yeah, she was really psychotic and her family did not help That's at all. That's terrifying. <laughs> it is. That's scary. Yes. She married... And was with a lot of people. Okay. This is okay. her first marriage. I mean, you do you, girl. Yeah, I guess. This is her first marriage to David Kellett. So Catherine would meet a hard alcoholic man, David Stanford Kellett, who was her co-worker in 1973 at the butcher shop. Yeah. And she would completely dominate him. 
<laughs> Sorry, that's funny. <laughs> Just like he's 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 like he works at a slaughterhouse. He's a hard alcoholic man. Yeah. And she dominated him. Oh god. If David got into a fight, Catherine would step in and back him up with her fists without fail. Oh my god. <laughs> mhm. She would marry David in 1974 at her request. She proposed to him. Yes. I love that. The couple arrived at the service on her motorcycle with a very intoxicated David on the pillion. Pileon. Pileon? Pileon? Which is the back seat of a motorcycle, like the second pad behind the main seat. Yeah. So that's what it was called. Um, As soon as they arrived, Catherine's mother, Barbara, would give David some advice. Okay. This is a quote by David. The old girl said to me to watch out. You better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't even ever think of playing up on her. She'll fucking kill you. And that was her mother talking. (laughs) She told me she's got something loose. She's got a screw loose somewhere. End quote. What? What? Catherine's mother... Why didn't her mom do anything? ...gave David advice. And that was her advice. I mean... She'll fucking kill you. It was probably good advice. Well, he didn't leave, so he didn't Beautiful. listen to it. To um, be fair, though, so. I can relate. <laughs> now, now, now Catherine's kind of, kind of turning crazy. So, I, I mean, she, as if she wasn't crazy already, sleeping with butcher knives above her head. Just in case. Just in case. needed to use them. <laughs> yeah. So on their wedding night, she tried to strangle David. Catherine would explain that he fell asleep after only having intercourse three times. Only three times? No! The marriage would be violent, and on one occasion, a heavily pregnant Catherine burned all of David's clothing and, and she shoes. Was pregnant. I wonder why he didn't want to fuck her more than three times. Probably. No, this is on one occasion, so it was a different occasion. Oh, okay. This is afterwards. And um, before hitting him in the back of the head with a frying pan. Simply because he had arrived home late from a darts competition after making the finals. What? So he... He arrived home late from a darts competition. Because he... He made the finals. He probably was, like, celebrating. Yeah, getting a few drinks. And she hit him in the back of the head with a frying pan, burned all his clothes and shoes. Because of that. Um, so that's just a little insight into, like, what kind of person Catherine is. I've seen some crazy people. I've seen some crazy relationships. Mm Mm-hmm. Me too. This... It gets worse. It's terrifying. Oh, she's horrible. How she can is... you do that to someone? She and you're the person you're supposed to be in love with. I think she's a psychopath. You think? Yeah. So, in fear for his life, David fled before he would collapse in a neighbor's house and was treated bad for a badly fractured skull. Police mm. did want to charge her, but Catherine was now on her best behavior and talked David into dark, oh dropping God. the charges. What a little sweet talker. Uh-huh. So, in 1976, shortly after the birth of their first child, Melissa Ann, which was her name. It's a cute name. It is a cute name. David left her for another woman and moved to Queensland, Australia, because he wasn't able to cope with Catherine's possessive and violent behavior. I'm just here nodding very, like, profusely. Yeah, good on him. I I respect that. You'll change your mind in a minute. David leaving her? You'll change your mind. Okay. Not because he left her, but you'll change your mind on go him. Okay. Um, so the next day, Catherine was seen pushing her newborn baby in a stroller down the main street where they lived, okay. violently throwing the stro- stroller from side to side. Like just rocking like rocking it from side to side while what? she's pushing it. Catherine was admitted to St. Elmo's Hospital in Tamsworth, in Tamworth, where she was diagnosed with postnatal depression and would spend several weeks recovering. After being released... Catherine placed two-month-old Melissa on a railway line <laughs> shortly before the train was due, and then stole an axe, went into town, and threatened to kill several people. What? Yeah. A man 
that was known in the district as, quote, Old Ted. Old Ted! <laughs> was, uh, who was foraging near the railway line, found and rescued Melissa just minutes before the train would, was due oh to pass. Oh my god. Catherine was arrested again and taken to St. Elmo's Hospital, but she recovered and signed herself out the next day. R- recovered from what? R- quote, recovered. <laughs> like what? It's not like she fucking broke her leg. Oh, she hurt her ankle. No, she's She tried to kill her Ill. daughter. <laughs> yes. A few days later, Catherine slashed the face of a woman with one of her knives and demanded for the woman to drive her to Queensland to find David. Oh. The woman would escape after they stopped at a service station, but by the time police arrived, Catherine had taken a little boy hostage and was threatening him with a knife. What? She was disarmed when police would attack her with brooms. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's so fucked up. (laughs) And she was admitted to the Morissette Psychiatric Hospital. So they changed what hospital because I feel like she was just getting out of that. I don't think she needs to be in a hospital. I think she needs to be behind bars. Yes. For three attempts, Mm -hmm. three times attempted murder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Catherine told the nurses who worked there that she had intended to kill the mechanic at the service station because he had supposedly repaired David's car, <laughs> which had allowed him to leave her and then kill both her husband and his mother when she arrived in Queensland. Oh my god. When police informed David of this information, he left his girlfriend and along with his mother moved to Aberdeen to take care of Catherine. What? So he leaves his girlfriend and then... After hearing that she was threatening to kill him... And she was in the hospital. And he moved to Aberdeen with his mother so he could take her, oh, take Catherine in his care. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't yeah. think that needs to happen. No. But okay. Catherine was released on August 9th, 1976 into the care of her mother-in-law and David. They would now move to Woodridge, a suburb in Brisbane, where she obtained a job in the Dinmore Meatworks which I assume was another slaughterhouse, near Ipswich. Okay. On March 6th, 1980, they had another daughter, Natasha Marie. And Marie is spelled M-A-R-E-E. Aww. It's a different way to spell. It's cute. I think, yeah. Uh, In 1984, Catherine would leave David and move in with her parents first in Aberdeen, and then she would rent a house in nearby Musquelbrook, where she kind of went school so that same area okay. although she would return to work at the abattoir i don't know what an abattoir is all right but it sounds fancy she would injure her back the following year and go on a disability pension Catherine no longer needed to rent accommodations close to her work and the government would give her a housing commission house in aberdeen hmm. so they paid for her house i don't think she deserves that nope <laughs> so that was her first marriage okay she left him so she got yeah so she got a divorce with him what happened to the kids she leave him? Uh, she take him? I don't know. She take him? She leave him? Oh, no, it says right here. Okay. So, before I start with this next guy, his name's David Saunders. Okay. We're really close to the animal abuse part. Oh. Catherine met 38-year-old minor David Saunders in 1986. A few months later, David would move in with her and her two daughters, so she took her two daughters with her. Oh, okay. But David kept his old apartment in Scone. Catherine soon became jealous regarding what he did when she was not around and would often throw him out. He would move back to his apartment in Scone and she would repeatedly follow him and beg for his return. God. In May of 1987, she cut the throat of two-month-old dingo puppy. Oh, what? Which, uh, um, a a two-month-old dingo puppy, uh, which was a dog that's native to Australia. She would do it in front of him and for no more reason than as an example of what she would due to him if he had an affair with her uh, before she would go to knock him unconscious with a frying pan. Her and frying pans, man. 
Maybe she's just like grabbing whatever's available oh, to her. Chow. I know. So yeah, she's she she's too. She cut a puppy's throat to give him a, give him give him an example of what would happen if he cheated on her, and then just whacked him over the head with a frying pan. Oh yeah. Like I don't. None of that's okay. But if you're trying to teach someone, like, hey, I'll do this to you, if you don't listen to me or whatever. And then you proceed to hurt them for no reason. Yeah. I feel like, uh, yeah. I just don't understand any of it. I don't understand her logic. Me neither. And why would you hurt a puppy? Because she's a psychopath and she liked hurting animals. Mm. I know. So in June of 1988, she gave birth to her third daughter, Sarah, which made David take out a deposit on a house that Catherine paid off with when her workers' compensation came through in 1989, so the year later. Okay. Catherine decorated the house with animal skins, <gasps> skulls, oh. horns, rusty animal traps, oh. leather jackets, old boots, machetes, rakes, and pitchforks. Rakes? Mm-hmm. No space, which included the ceiling, was left uncovered. What? She... I'm literally pitch- picturing a fucking junkyard right now. Yes, I was too. What? Mm-hmm. So... After an argument where she hit David in the face with an iron <laughs> before stabbing him in the oh stomach with a pair of scissors, he moved back to Scone and then would later return Poor home David, man. to find that she had all, cut up all of his clothes. So he lived through it. Yeah. David took a long service leave and would go into hiding. <laughs> She's probably terrified. Yeah. Catherine would try to find him, but no one would admit to knowing where he was. Several months later, David would return to see his daughters, but when he came back, he found that Catherine had gone to the police and told them she was scared of him, and they issued her with an apprehended violence order, an AVO, against him. What? Yep. You'd think they would need some kind of proof, at least. (laughs) I know. Usually, you can't just pull out a restraining order or anything like that without some sort of evidence. This was the 1980s, so, and 1990s. This is early or late 1900s so i guess so. back then like maybe it you was could back the then. impression where like women can't murder yeah they can and they will and they're just as scary doing it <laughs> mm-hmm. so this is Catherine's third relationship it did not last very long okay so is this like a boom 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 type of thing mm-hmm. like not even single for like a second can't even breathe no because in 1989 he took out a house Oh, yeah. A deposit on the house, and then she did all that stuff where she burned his clothes and he went into hiding. Mm-hmm. And now, in 1990, a year later, Catherine became pregnant by a 43-year-old man who was a former abattoir co-worker, so, John Chillinger, Chillingsworth. So they can't have an affair on her. But she can have an affair. Or else they'll get their throat. But she's allowed to do what she wants. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, she's a crazy bitch. Narcissist. Uh huh. And so she would give birth the next year to a boy named Eric. This was her first boy. So this is four children now. Three that she had. This is her third child. That is four. Okay. Yeah. So the relationship lasted three years before she left him for a man that she had been having an affair with for some time, John Price. And now we're getting into John Price, and this is our victim, our Aww. our murder victim. Okay. So that's him. He he looks like a sweet old man. He looks. He looks like one of my friend's dads. (laughs) So, John Pricey Price, that was his nickname, was Pricey. He was the father of three children when Catherine had an affair with him from a previous marriage. Mm -hmm. He was known as a, quote, terrific bloke and was liked by everyone who knew him. 
His marriage had ended in 1988, so previous marriage yeah. to someone else. Just two years prior to. Yep. So while his two-year-old daughter had stayed with his ex-wife, his two other children lived with him. John was well aware of Catherine's violent reputation, but she moved into his house in 1995 regardless. Okay. His children liked her, and he was making a lot of money working in the local mines. Apart from violent arguments, life was, quote, like a bunch of roses. Okay. For him so far, you know. So everything was going nice and dandy. Ex- apart from violent arguments, you know. Just just apart from just those. Just the normal things. At this point. Just like the day-to-day violent. With Catherine, it is normal. <laughs> violent arguments. Yes. So in 1998, they fought over John's refusal to marry Catherine, and in retaliation, she videotaped items he had stolen from work and sent the tape over to his boss. Oh. Although the items were out-of-date medical kits that he had scavenged from the company's rubbish pile, John was fired from the job he had held for 17 years. Wow. That very same day, he kicked her out and she returned to her home, while news of what she had done spread through the town. (laughs) A few months later, John would rekindle the relationship, although now he refused to allow her to move in with him. The fighting would become more often than before. Most of his friends would have no would no longer have anything to do with him while they stayed together. Uh, in February 2000, Catherine would stab John in the chest. Finally fed up, he kicked her out of his house. On February 29th, he stopped at a scone magistrate's court on his way to work and would take out a restraining order to keep her away from both him and his children. Good thinking, but a little too late. A little bit. Unfortunately. That afternoon, John told his co-worker that if he did not come to work the next day, it would be because Catherine killed him. Oh, wow. They all pleaded with him not to go home, but he told them that he believed she would kill his children if he did not go home. John arrived to find that Catherine, although she was not herself there, had sent the children away for a sleepover at a friend's house. Catherine had sent his children away. Weird. Oh, yeah. So... He spent the evening with his neighbor before going to bed at 11 p.m. in in his own house after that. Earlier that day, Catherine had bought new black lingerie and had videotaped all of her children, this is disgusting to me, while making comments that have since been interpreted in a crude manner. So was she like modeling the clothes for the children? She was, I don't know, she was in black lingerie and videotaping the children and saying horrible things. And they were looking at her? Yes. While she was recording them in lingerie. In lingerie. That's disgusting. Not even her own children. It's like, you, even if it is, you don't fucking do that. Yes, no. it very much is. Takes a special something in someone <sighs> yes. to do that. Yes. That's fucked. Yep, she is so fucked up. Okay. So, Catherine later arrived at John's house while he was sleeping, and she sat watching TV for a few minutes before having a shower. She That's then creepy. woke John... And they had sex and afterwards went to bed. That's creepy, too. Yes. Like, she wasn't there. He doesn't want her to be there. Then she shows up while he's sleeping, takes a shower, wakes him up, has sex with him, and they fall asleep together. I feel like if someone... If I was in that position and I got woken up, I would freak the fuck out. I bet you he did, Call the cops so fast. He probably did. But then again, they had sex. Yeah. So, at 6 a.m. the next morning, the neighbor became concerned, which seeing John's car was still in the driveway and when John did not arrive at work his employee sent a worker to see what was wrong both the neighbor and the worker tried knocking on John's bedroom window to wake him up but after noticing blood on the front door they alerted police who then arrived at 8 a.m police broke down the back door and they would find his body with Catherine being comatose after taking a large number of pills so Catherine was comatose so Catherine tried to kill herself could have okay 
She stabbed him with a butcher's knife while he was sleeping. According to the blood evidence, he had woken up and tried to turn on the light before attempting to escape while Catherine chased him through the house. He had managed to open the front door and get outside, but either stumbled back inside or was dragged back inside to the hallway. horrible. Which was where he would bleed out and die in in the hallway. Later, Catherine would go into Aberdeen and withdraw $1,000 from John's ATM account. Hmm. John's autopsy revealed that he had been stabbed at least 37 times in both the front and the back of his body, with many wounds extending to his vital organs. Several hours after John had passed away, this is getting graphic. You thought it was graphic? It's getting. Catherine would skin him and hang the skin from a meat hook on the door in the lounge room. She then decapitated him and cooked parts of his body. She served up the meat with baked potatoes, pumpkin, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy in two settings at the dinner table with notes next to each plate. Each note had the name of one of the other one of his children on it. Oh she was preparing God. to serve his body parts to his children. What the f- that's revolting. Yes. Yeah. Um this is the most craziest bitch I've ever done a case over yet i can't even wrap my head around so a third meal was thrown on the back lawn for unknown reasons and it's speculated that Catherine had attempted to eat it but could not it had been put forward in support of her claim she has no memory of the crime john's head was found yeah john's head was found in a pot with vegetables the pot was still warm and investigators would estimate it was between 40 to 50 degrees celsius indicating that the cooking had taken place in the early morning Mm. so like early Sometime later, Catherine arranged the body with his left arm draped over an empty 1.25 liter soft drink bottle with his legs crossed. What? She claimed in court to be an act of defilement, which demonstrated Catherine's contempt for John. Catherine had left a handwritten note on top of a picture of John. It was bloodstained and covered with small pieces of flesh, and the note read, quote, So, this doesn't make sense to me, how she wrote it, but I'm going to read it to you exactly how it was written. Okay. Time got you back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter, Udebeck, which is John's daughter, for Ross, for little John, his son, now playing with little John's dick, John Price. That's what the letter says. I'm so confused. Yeah. The accusations <laughs> in the note were found to be groundless. Oh. She's basically saying he John raped her daughter. John maybe raped his own daughter and raped his son. That's what I believe it says. Catherine's initial offer to plead guilty to manslaughter was rejected, and she was arraigned on February 2nd, 2001, on the charge of murdering John Price, to which she had entered a plea of not guilty. Her trial was initially fixed for July 23rd, 2001, but was adjourned due to her counsel's illness. It didn't say what he had. He, he just got sick. And was set for the date October 15th, 2001 happened like 10 years prior to the Mm -hmm. wow so when the trial started justice barry o'keefe offered the 60 jury prospects the options of being executed due to the nature of the photographic evidence five jurors accepted the deal but the remaining 55 stayed for the evidence to be shown in court when the witness list was read out to the prospects several more dropped out after which the jury was empaneled i think that means just canceled Okay. Like, they just kind of dismissed all of them. Catherine's attorney spoke to the judge, who adjourned the case to the following day. 
The next morning, Catherine changed her plea to guilty, and the jury was dismissed. It now became public that Justice O'Keefe had been advised of the plea change the day before. He had adjourned the trial and then ordered a psychiatric assessment overnight to determine if Catherine understood the consequences of a guilty plea and was fit to make such a plea. So Catherine's legal team had planned to defend her by claiming amnesia and dissociation. A claim that was supported by most psychiatrists, although they did consider her to be sane. Yeah. So psychiatrists agreed. That she had an amnesia? Mm-hmm. From what? I don't know. Don't you need to, like, get hit on the head? You have to have a brain injury, I'm pretty sure. I don't think she suffered any brain injuries, right? No. So, no reason has ever been given for the guilty plea. And despite giving it, Catherine still refuses to accept responsibility for her actions. At the sentencing hearing, Catherine's lawyer requested that she be excused to avoid hearing some of the facts, but the application was refused. When Dr. Timothy Lyons took the stand and described the skinning and decapitation, Catherine became hysterical and she had to be sedated. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was fucking sedated. Weird. Yep. Sedated. On November 8th, Justice O'Keefe pointed out that the nature of the crime and Catherine's lack of remorse required a severe penalty. He sentenced her to life imprisonment and refused to fix a non-parole period and ordered that her papers be marked, quote, never to be released. Yeah. This was the first time this had been imposed on a woman in Australia. And lastly, in June 2006, Catherine appealed her life sentence, claiming that the penalty of life in jail without the possibility to parole was too severe for the killing. Justice Peter McClellan, Michael Adams, and Megan Latham dismissed the appeal in the NSW Court of Criminal Appeal in September, with Justice McLean writing his judgment, quote, This was an appalling crime, almost beyond contemplation in a civilized society, end quote. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all we have. That was fucking brutal. That's that's it. That's the case. I think she really deserved life in prison without the possibility to, of parole because mm-hmm. she sliced him up, cooked him, and tried to serve him to his children. Mm-hmm. Murder is one thing. Mm-hmm. Not good. No, Anyways, she but cannibalism him. is another. Oh, yeah. And I do think that she threw the third plate out because maybe she tried to like, eat a it. bite of it and was like, this is fucking disgusting. Probably. And got mad that she couldn't eat it. Got mad that she couldn't go through with it. Probably, honestly. But she is a disgusting human being. And she's still alive, right? I believe. Um, so, Catherine is currently imprisoned at the Silverwater Women's Correctional Center in New South Wales. And she is still alive. And she is 67 years old right now. Hmm. Well. She is also known as the female Hannibal Lecter. So that's... That's that. Yeah. That's crazy. She did not pass away. No, she's still alive. Yep. I feel like she should have gotten sentenced to death. She should have, but she didn't. Well, that was Catherine Knight. I hope you guys (laughs) enjoyed that one. Yeah, and make sure to um, give us some feedback. Check out the Instagram. And our Twitter. And give us a listen. Stay tuned for next week. We're going to be back with another case. It's going to be interesting. It's be fun yeah yeah all right i hope you guys enjoyed and we'll see you next week yeah we'll see you next time bye (laughs) bye